Entrepreneurs, where does your business rank on Google's search engine optimization? If you don't show up on page one, you got to listen to this episode with the founder of Ocelot Traffic, Stephen Lentz. Rich, I enjoyed this conversation specifically because Stephen is focused on his niche of creating content. And I love that he got to this business because he wanted to create a legacy. He really wanted to help others and impact lives. He's driven to make a difference and he's found a way to do it with his current business, consulting on content. Yeah, and it's not just content, right? As we talk through this conversation, it's how content can really help your search engine optimization on Google specifically, more so than just editing your website every other day or improving different metrics on your website. So in this conversation, we learned about the six different ways they produce content, all the different places that they put it, a lot to learn here for entrepreneurs. Here's Steven Lentz. It's where SEO meets PR. Stephen, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United episode here today. Love to learn a little bit more about what you're doing now with Ocelot Traffic, and then also a little bit more about your history, how you came to found your business about four years ago, and where you are today. So first, take us back. I believe if I understand this correctly, you're a former firefighter who's become an entrepreneur with your current business. Walk us through your history of how you became a firefighter to begin with, and that transition from firefighter into what you're doing today. Oh, thank you so much for having me first, John Wrench. I definitely appreciate that. And I don't know if you have video, but I mean, I'm wearing all the, the firefighter swag. I've got my, my coat and hat on and everything, but it's a little chilly in the house. But no, <laughs> my uh, my path to entrepreneurship is like the path of entrepreneurship. If you ever see those graphs, it's like all, you know, up and downs and mm-hmm. it's the same way. So when I first got into firefighting, I was like, I'm going to be a firefighter forever. Like, this is my dream. I'm going to help people. Like, this is great. And it took me three years of hard work. I slept on this sidewalk, literally, for an application for a department one time. Like, everything I could do to get this dream job. And I got it, you know, after a while, obviously. And a year and a half in, uh, I was let go with another guy because they ran out of money. Mm. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> so I got on with another department like two months later. It was awesome. And I was with them for a month and a half. And again, I was right back out. And I was like, this is bananas. Like, this doesn't happen to firefighters. And it really destroyed my idea of this government job that was going to give me a lifestyle of security. Right? And I was like, I need to take matters in my own hands. When I first got in, I was single, just about to get married. And at this point, I've got a wife and a kid. I said, I'm either going to be the victim or I'm going to take care of my family and I'm not going to be a victim. And so I did everything I could think of. I sold life insurance over the phone. I sold Kirby vacuums door to door for a hot minute. I did fix and flip real estate for a couple of years. Like I did, you think of it, I've done some variation or form of it and tried to make things work and hustled and ground and saw a bunch of stuff fail. And I was like, there's a, there's a common thread here of why everything's failing. And it came down to marketing. And I was like, I need to get really good at marketing. Like marketing is the lifeblood of any business. Arguably, you say money is the lifeblood of a business, but it comes through marketing. And so I started taking every course I could and learning from every person I could. And I grabbed, you know, 13 different white label services to figure out what they do and how they work and why it's important. I did, you know, email, affiliate, pay-per-click, social, you name it, I've done it. And landed into content and realized like in 96, what Bill Gates said, content is king. And so... Got into that, got good at that. And the department calls me back and said, hey, we have money again. Do you want to come back? I was like, well, of course. Like, I love picking grandma up off the floor and cutting kids out of cars. Like, why wouldn't I come back? And so now I'm, you know, got two kids and I'm there and I'm looking at the research and I'm saying, ooh, firefighters only live to be like 55, 65. Like, they retire and they're alive for a few years and then they're dead. Like, 
I want more for my family. I want legacy and I want grandkids and great grandkids. And I don't want to necessarily have to miss Christmases. And I want to sleep through the night, which is really nice now, by the way. <laughs> I'm really enjoying sleeping through the night. But I was like, I need to work my way out of this. And the question then began, how do I do that? Right? And I was like, well, what do I know? And I went back to marketing. And so leaned heavily into that and started working on that and getting some clients. And then COVID came through. Uh, I got COVID. Spoiler, I survived. Right, I'm fine. Uh, and then they said, hey, uh, congratulations. You had COVID. You're fine. Right, You're going into houses. You're seeing these COVID people. You're not spreading it. You're not getting it. But we have this vaccine thing and you have to get it or you have to leave. And I labeled myself as a principled asshole. And I said, well, it's kind of my body, my choice. So I stuck my principles and uh, let them terminate me. So hmm. exited that. And not that, you know, if you want the vaccine, get it. That's totally fine. It's just I don't think it's right to tell people what they have to do themselves. Sure. That's my soapbox. So okay. <laughs> Got it. So, well, first off, thank you for providing service uh, as a firefighter. This is the first time I'm ever hearing of firefighters being let go due to uh, finance. Um same. There's too much rain in Seattle that you guys don't need <laughs> firefighters, but it's the first time I ever hear of that uh, ever happening. So it's, it's not often. We, uh, yeah. small town, we needed a levy, and the citizens had been essentially underpaying for services for quite a while. And so we went out and said, hey, you know, we, we really need to get finances for us. And there was a group of very anti tax people that, you know, mm -hmm. did a lot of anti campaigning against us. And sure. it just, did not go well. So we got uh, shut down by the community and service suffered for it. But, okay. So you love yeah. servicing others and helping others. Now you've transitioned to, instead of running into burning homes, you've transitioned into running into burning businesses and helping them get more business. So I can deal with that. And I love the fact that you've taken this bull by the horn and said, you know what? I'm going to control my own destiny. If I'm going to do something, let me jump in the entrepreneurial world. Cause you probably could have taken a job doing something else and uh, made sure. income doing something else. We've chosen to, you chose to be an entrepreneur, and I, and I want to just dive into that for a second. Why uh, you talked about the ups and downs of running a business? They're it's tough. I mean, and, and you obviously experienced <laughs> some different components where you mentioned you know I realized that failure was due to some lack of marketing. But why did you decide I'm going to go? I have a family, I have some young kids. I'm going to go put it all on black. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's a good idea. How did that happen? Uh, you know, it was through those really crappy jobs in that time when I got let go. And I was like, I hate what I'm doing and I'm hating life and it's bleeding over to my personal life and with my family. And it's like, I, you know, I love helping people and I love doing things for them and seeing things do, but I worked as a barista and figured out that you pretty much train a chimp to do what I was doing. Right. Like I wasn't making a difference and that's part of what I really want. Like okay. that legacy is helping others and I'm not doing it with firefighting. I want to do it in some tangible way that makes a real benefit and impacts lives. And I thought that entrepreneurship gave me that opportunity much more than any W-2 that I could find. Love it. Okay, great. Well, we're obviously very pro-entrepreneurship, so you don't have to sell us too hard. Uh, <laughs> lo love that angle. Um, so talk to me about content. So, you know, I, I, you mentioned the content is king quote that a lot of people use. So when you talk about your business and driving traffic and helping with marketing, you obviously have a specialty in content. Uh, can you define that maybe a little deeper for us? What does that mean? Because sometimes a lot of people take marketing and they just assume that email marketing and SEO marketing and paid marketing is the same thing. And, and there's different 
specialties of marketing. And it sounds like you probably help in a bunch of different areas, but one of your specialties is content. What does yeah. that mean exactly? Yeah, marketing like is this nebulous black hole idea. And what I do is very specific and very different from what anyone really talks about. And it's kind of like a mix of SEO meets PR. Okay. So we create content and the content we create is created it's for the end user, but it's really for Google, right? Because if I go to your website, I'm sure it's going to say that you're really awesome. Mm -hmm. If I go to my website, it's going to say that I'm really great. Yep. So how does Google decide who's better, you or me? Right? We're both patting ourselves on the back. And I'm going to you know, backtrack to the genesis of Google. But Google had one purpose, and it was to provide value. Right? So in the age of dial-up, where you hear the... All the weird sounds for five minutes, and finally look on, and you say, hey, Google, how many bugs are in Africa? Google's going to say, here's five websites that will tell you how many bugs are in Africa based on what it thinks will give you the best value, right? Number one, obviously, is the most relevant choice. And so we've got this inherent Google trust bias where we think that Google's going to give us the best result first organically, yep. right? So if you look at, you had a pie chart of like traffic data, three to 5% is paid ads, 40% go to the first organic link, 20 to 30 to the second, 10% to the third, and it dwindles, and then, you know, page two is where everyone dies. And that's because of that Google bias. We all know that Google's wanting to match us up correctly. But the question is, how does Google do that? Right? Again, it used to be that we could pat ourselves on the back and kind of like trick the algorithm, push a bunch of backlinks or do some metadata stuff. But Google's gotten really smart and it doesn't want us to figure out how to game the system. Right? And so we've seen this shift from, I do good things on my website and you rank me to, I need social proof. So you have your, you know, your reviews, your Google star reviews, you have where are other people talking about you, right? As seen on Forbes, Entrepreneur, Yahoo.com, Bloomberg, right? I think it was not even 10 years ago, Bloomberg was selling an article on their site for 100 grand. Hmm. You could pay Bloomberg 100 grand to get an article or 125 for them to write that article for you to put on the site. Wow. I think that is the power of social presence, of leveraging other people. And I forget who says this, but all things being equal, you'll do business with your friends. All things being unequal, you'll still do business with your friends. Right? And Google's the same way in that every website has a trust factor. So Yahoo's trust factor is like a 92, which is essentially they say something, and it's almost the gospel. The normal website has a domain ranking somewhere between you know, 0 and 25 or 0 and 30. So when you say, hey, check me out, you know, I, I make watches, Google says, oh, that's cool. And they have someone else says, hey, check me out, I do watches. And you have someone else says, I make watches. And Yahoo and Bloomberg and Fox and their affiliates all say that I make good watches. Who do you think is going to rank better when Google says, who answers this question? Gotcha. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. So it's, Google's taken on this very human you know, element of social proof, essentially. Um, it's I mean, the first time we hear of social proof. Rich, have you ever heard of that before? Yes, and social proof just being represented as the opinion of others uh, and that being more believable, you know, four and a half star review uh, or four and a half star average with uh, a thousand reviews is more credible than you saying you're great and giving the history of your company on the website, I think is the idea of social proof. Is that right, Stephen? Absolutely. So Google tracks everything. Right? Like we, we all know this. We don't want to really admit it, but we know that Google tracks everything. And so where I, where I sit is with visibility. Right? Who can I make talk about you? So we create news articles, press releases, blog posts, infographics, video, audio, slideshows. And we distribute those to hundreds of different websites and different media sites. 
because the more people you talk about, hey, check out Stephen, he makes great watches, right? Google's going to equate that to that social proof. And so you have that visibility, but then you also have traffic, right? So Google says, how many people are clicking on your website? Tracks this. It says, how does that traffic respond to your site? Does it screen through it? Is it a bot? Is it a person who's consuming the content? Are they clicking on the other tabs? If you have Google Analytics, you'll be able to see the data of like, hey, people are spending time here. People are not spending time here. They're bouncing, whatever. Google tracks that and says, hey, there's value here for the people who are staying. Right? It goes into phones. If you have a phone that's connected to your website and Google My Business or now Google Business Profile, and people call that, Google tracks that and says, hey, people are getting value from this. Right? It's another stamp of approval. If you have a physical location, we all have GPS. We don't want to admit that we're being tracked, but we are. Google says, hey, they're all going to Stevens Dog Groomers. Right? This is a valuable business. It goes to social media. People are posting about you, comparing you Stevens Dog Groomings versus Rich Dog Grooming, Riches versus Jones. Right? As you have those mentions, Google says, oh, this makes sense. Another uh, checkbox. And then the same thing goes back to Google brand searches, right? Stevens versus Johns, you know, Stevens and Utica, you know, New York, wherever it is. And so the more that you have of any of these things, you get more credibility from Google. And Google says this person will answer questions appropriately when someone's searching for German Shepherds being groomed in, you know, Utica or Boston or whatever, the way that you're doing your content marketing. So I've picked up three things from you so far as far as what you do and your approach to this. One is you target social proof. Number two is you asked it in the form of a question is where are people talking about you? So you get people to talk about your clients. And then number three is you work with your clients to construct their site so that people stay on their site. It's not just a visit and leave. Would those be the three main things that you do for your clients or have I misstated something or am I missing something? No, great question. So all we do is I don't do anything on site. Right? Having there, there are on site optimizations that are important to have. Uh, I'm not a web dev. I don't do any of that stuff. And you don't have to have an optimized site to get the benefit of what I do. But we do. We solely create the content that goes out to other media sites. So we create news articles, press releases, blog posts, video, audio, infographics, slideshows, and from that we distribute those to hundreds of different media sites. We have two offerings. One is the normal. And it's, you know, Fox, NBC, CBS, their affiliates, you know, hundreds of sites. And then premium is all of that, plus Yahoo, and then possibly Bloomberg, Medium, Morningstar, uh, Associated Press, you know, the super high domain ranking sites. You get up to six of those, Yahoo being the guaranteed with net distribution. And the other ones, depending on the niche that you're in. Um, so I know that, you know, people listening aren't going to be able to see this, but when you go to my site, there's actually a screenshot that's halfway down on it. And I'll describe it because, right, we're not just going to go there. But what it looks like is that this was a campaign I did for Bellevue Women's Wellness Coaching. So if someone's like, hey, I need a Bellevue, a Women's Wellness Coach in Bellevue, right? They type that in the search bar. My client dominated, you know, the first five or six organic rankings. And it's not her website. It's the Sarasota Times and the Digital Journal. And it's a YouTube channel on UBC. And it's all saying, hey, check out Georgie. She does really great work as a women's wellness coach. And then there's her website. And then there's her competitions and then a paid ad. And so it becomes saying, hey, who's more credible if I'm looking for a women's wellness coach in Bellevue? Right? So all of the content that we make for each campaign is very hyper-focused on that SEO. Right? I said it's SEO with PR. It's SEO content because we take the um, services, products, benefits, solutions, frequently asked questions, problem solved locations and we mix that up into what we write about i'm not trying to recreate you know top 10 ways to sleep better at one night because that's not buying intent right buying intent is i'm looking for someone to solve my problem 
looking for a dog groomer for German shepherds in Utica or X, Y, Z. So we, we take I, that fine intent and that's how we do it. I think uh, where I misquoted what your service is, is you were just saying, hey, that's how Google prioritizes is social mm-hmm. proof. Yeah. Where are people yep. talking about you and do people stay on your site? I believe what yes. I just picked up from you is you focus on the second one, which is where are people talking about you? You work with companies to write their content and then you distribute that content to all of these uh, media sources online and offline to get people talking about those who work with you. Is that right now? You got it. Got it. You rattled off uh, twice now, but I wasn't able to catch it. Can you uh, (laughs) go through again? Like you use a news article, press releases. What are the other things that uh, you use? Yeah, sorry, I talk fast, so you tell me to slow down. That's totally. I I listen and write slowly, so (laughs) we'll take our time. So press releases, news articles, they're kind of hand in hand. You have blog posts, infographics. Uh, We do audio for some podcast directories. Uh, slideshows, I think it went out of order, and video for like UBC, Vimeo, YouTube. Should be like six different ones, seven. Yep. <laughs> the so the last infographic slideshows, and I'm sorry, what was the last one there? Yeah, press release, video. 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 Thank you. <laughs> I say it differently every time, and I forget when I missed. No it. problem. <laughs> um. True or false, what you do for companies they could do themselves if they knew how to do it and wanted to put in the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could say that with anything. Like I could make my own watch if I knew how to do it and put in the time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to learn how to make a watch, though. So Um, why don't companies do it for themselves? Why doesn't the average company just hire somebody who's in-house who does it for themselves versus hiring you as kind of a a fractional marketing person because you work with multiple companies. Um, why don't they do it for themselves? It's very difficult and it's expensive and it takes a lot of time. Content marketing is not like pay-per-click ads where you can you know put it up in 30 minutes and you can start running traffic and seeing conversions. Like content marketing is a long-term strategy. And so to dedicate a, a team, like you need a team to actually pull this off because you're making six different mediums of content. And then you need to find out how to source where that goes. And you need to, there's so many different things. It's like, I think if you were to a la carte, like each piece that I do, you need probably like 10-ish to 14 different members dedicated to a certain aspect. And so this is what makes my team and I specialize is that this is all we do. Like I'm not doing the email marketing stuff. I'm not doing all this other stuff. So when you take an in-house team and say, hey, you know, we want you to do the gamut of marketing, which is a million different things, this falls off because it's difficult. It's expensive. It takes a lot of people and takes a lot of time. And you just don't see returns immediately. And that's really, I think, the hardest thing for people to grasp is we take a website from being a business card to being an asset, right? I'm not going to go to Steven Stogg's groomer unless I've actually heard of him. But if I'm looking for it and it pops up on that first page, that's where people start actually finding me. But to be on that front page takes time. And a lot of people just aren't willing to put that in. Yeah, thanks for that. And... How many people do you have on your team that you work with? Yeah, I think we've got currently 14. So okay. I've got some 1099s and it depends on customer flow of like the different projects, but I think 14 is about where we're at right now. 
I wouldn't have imagined that, by the way. So I'm I'm glad I asked it, uh, and that really did connect a dot for me because there are companies that just work on social proof. I'm sure there are companies that just work on uh, making the site sticky, and those are totally different people, totally different skill sets, totally different teams. And you're going, hey, if you want people to talk about you, which is one of the three critical things Google is looking at, uh, and you want to do it really well, you're going to need a team that's probably 10 people plus, uh, it's going to be difficult. Uh, it's going to cost you a bunch of money and it's going to take a lot of time. Or you can hire me and I can give you, uh, you know, what are some of the shortcuts? You can pay less money and we'll do it more efficiently because that's what we do. And uh, I believe that's your value proposition. Absolutely. It's a done for you service. You know, my process is when someone buys my product, I actually sit down with them via Zoom, right? Sit down. But we talk for 30 to you know, 60 minutes. And I say, I, I want to know everything about your business when it comes to your products and services. Right? I want to know everything that people are questioning when they are looking for you. Because this is, again, it goes in buying intent. It doesn't do me any good to run a campaign for you if I'm talking about something that's not really relevant to your business. Right? I see that's like the biggest problem that people go, oh, I'm, you know, I, I did this press release. I paid the guy on Fiverr $700 to be on Yahoo. Like, this is great. It's like, cool. But you, your content that you put out there does nothing for you. Like, yeah, you just got on Yahoo, but there's no search intent. No one's Googling anything related to what you just put out there. Like, you just lit $700 on fire and threw it out the window. Like, we have a very strict process of how we source and create the content and that it makes sense to the person and it makes sense to Google. Because our whole goal is to make you visible, not to, you know, just get you on the as seen on, you know, Yahoo or Forbes. Yeah. See, and I certainly... This is what I mentioned earlier. It's very difficult to hire a marketing person for your company today because that marketing person may be very good at website design and get your website all polished up, but they can't get anybody there. Or they're very good at paid, but they have no idea how to search engine optimize your site organically. Um, And I think that's where fractional digital marketing companies like yourselves who are very specialized in a niche become so powerful. Because you can, you know, the director of marketing can go hire a group like yourself to augment what they're already doing and, and get all the services out there. So I love the niche side and then you're so hyper-focused on, we can be the best in the world at this, right? Content that's going to drive your organic search results. Like that's very specific, targeted, focused. Where entrepreneurs get in a lot of trouble is they want to be the everything to everybody a marketing company and you start with content, but next thing you know, your website developing, you're trying to do paid, you're trying to go way too wide and you, and you just can't, you can't be the best at all those services. So first of all, I just want to say, I love the fact you're very focused on what you're doing and, and, and that's fantastic. Well, Secondly, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to no, say part of it, I think is from being a firefighter, like I've, I've gotten used to walking in people's houses and telling them what to do. Mm. Right. Like I was very timid when I first started, but I'm like, Hey, Here's the blunt truth. Like, this is really awful and you need to fix this and you need to do it this way. And so when clients come to me like, hey, I want you to do this, I just say, nah, I don't do that. Like, sorry, scope creep does not exist in my book. Like, I've this is all we do. I don't do anything else for you. And if you want that, I'll refer it out to you. And the other part is within that, they'll be like, hey, can I tell you what I want in the content? And I always say no. And their eyes get big as dinner plates, like every time. Like, well, <laughs> you're just going to say what you want to say? I'm like, yeah. Because if you could do it, you would do it. Like yeah. you're, you're hiring me for my expertise. Like you have the say in that first ad, like that meeting that we do, like we get all the keywords and the phrases and stuff we want to talk about. But when it comes to content creation, 
you're in the backseat. Like I'm going to make it work how it's supposed to work because you're hiring me for my expertise. So you're absolutely right. Scope creep is real 100% and saying no is don't take it to the promised land. Which is the hardest thing for an entrepreneur to ever do is say no, right? Mm-hmm. No to more revenue, more customers, more whatever. Um, but I love the fact that you know what you want to do and, and who you want to be as a company. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier SEO meets PR is kind of where you exist. And, and it, I think that when I hear SEO, what I hear, maybe it's incorrect. It probably is incorrect because search engine optimization is search engine optimization, however you, however you do it. But I hear about meta words and keywords and descriptions and wh- how many pages you have on your website that are refreshed every day. You know, things I hear that kind of words in my in my in my head, and you're giving me a whole different dimension of this, which is you can do all that, but content PR that creates more social proof will help you grow your search engine optimization rankings, if you will, better than fiddling around with your website every two days. Is that Way correct? Faster. Absolutely. Okay. That's so, something I did not know at all. Yeah. So uh, that so, screenshot that I mentioned on the website yeah. was two days after distribution hit. Yeah. But she went from being invisible to being all the way on the front page there. That's uh, how fast please, the content Please uh, tell our audience, what is your website that has a screenshot? Yeah, it's Ocelot, O-C-E-L-O-T, traffic, T-R-A-F-F-I-C. So there's two T's next to each other, right? Ocelottraffic.com. Okay, awesome. It's halfway down that first page. So we'll, we'll go take a look at that. Um, you know, one of the things that I guess I'm I'm curious about, you mentioned earlier, look, I got a package that goes to these sites and then I got mm-hmm. an advanced package that also adds these sites. If I'm an entrepreneur listening to this, I'm going, you know, I want to give this a shot. Is it campaign based? Like, okay, I want you to do one camp, you know, one content campaign for me. Uh, you talk to me for 30, 60 minutes, you figure out what it is and it's a, it's a project based cost. You go do it. And then we go back and go, look, you can't just do one of these. You got to do more of these. And then we decide to do another one. And it's on a project base uh, that you're getting retained. Yeah, it's a great question. So we have the two options and there's no contract, right? People can be like, hey, you know, I'm, this is not working out. And it's totally fine. Like, I want people to work with me because they want to work with me. Sure. Not because you're locked in. Like, I don't believe in hostage situations. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's per campaign. And so you decide how aggressive you want to be. Do you want slow growth over time? You'll do one campaign a month, right? And we'll drop every month. We'll write about new content. And over time, you'll see your rankings grow. Do you want to be semi-aggressive? Maybe you'll do bi-weekly. Do you have a lot of money? You want to make a big splash and start gaining a lot of ground quickly? You'll do once a week. So you just, it's a pick and choose. And, you know, Yahoo, Bloomberg, they have higher standards, which is why they have a higher domain rating. So there's a little bit more that's in depth there. Like I have to get a um, letter of authorization from a business owner or company or their media management people. I need to get um, a copy of their business inclusion documents or incorporation documents for them so they can vet and be like, hey, this is a legitimate business. Right? So there's other things that go into that more premium aspect, which is why it has more weight. But when you want speed, like there's just no comparing you know, Yahoo to Fox or CBS or CNN or anyone like that. It's mm-hmm. just... But yeah, it's it's each campaign is its own separate standalone. It's a monthly okay. basis. Okay, so, so you know, pick your offering. You want four times a month. You want one time a month. You want mm-hmm. once every quarter. Whatever you pick, uh, but it's on a project basis. And when when we talk about this content, you know, is it when you talk about the six different ways, right? The news article, the blog, the infographic, the audio, the slideshows, the video. Mm-hmm. Is it basically six forms? 
of uh, different content generation of the same topic. So lack of a better example, uh, you're doing a story about, you know, my dog uh, shelter and the same story you're doing, you're just going to produce in six different ways for that exact same story, right? Yep, absolutely. And is this, when you put it on Yahoo or Bloomberg, Mm -hmm. Is it one that when that story goes out, let's just say it's a news article for 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 this point. If I'm a daily Yahoo user, I'm now seeing that in my news feed, or is it kind of in the background of Yahoo, just kind of vetted by Yahoo? Yeah, it's actually posted on Yahoo's site. Okay, like it's it's a legitimate story, just like as if I you know bought an article from the New York Times and said, hey, you know, put me on A7 or whatever it is, and that's where okay. I'd be. Got it. So it's a legitimate article. And then I'm mm-hmm. assuming that some articles you've done have been picked up by a bunch of people and gets promoted even more and more and more. And some, I don't know, for whatever reason, doesn't hit the audience and doesn't really get a big response in terms of readership or viewership. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. So we write, it's written by people for people, but really okay. it's written, like the real reason it's written is for Google, right? My goal is that when someone types in how to XYZ or how to find, you know, Correct. tankless hot water repair and you know, Pflugerville, Texas, that my client comes up because we wrote about, you know, hot water tankless repair and replacement and, you know, Pflugerville, Texas for, you know, security reasons or whatever it is. Yep. And there's 15 different types of content about that that says, hey, check out, you know, S&D Plumbing. They do great work in these four cities, blah, blah, blah. So someone says, hey, my hot water here went out. I need someone to replace it immediately. This is where I live. Google says, I know exactly who to rank. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the purpose of the content isn't so that the daily occasional Yahoo user is landing on this when they go visit their Yahoo news feed. It's ultimately all for Google search. And when Google searches for it, they find it because of the credibility Yahoo has mm-hmm. on the social proof. Exactly. And that's why I say it's SEO meets PR. Yep. Because we write it for that SEO, that search engine optimization. And you're absolutely right. Like SEO is a bad word now and everyone thinks it's on-site stuff, but it just means mm-hmm. that you rank better. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Getting your rankings up through PR. Got it. So, if you know, back to the case study, I want to you know get your best case study out there. I mean, it's basically on your website with that with the proof, right? Of here's somebody beforehand, here's somebody after. Is that what you're talking about in terms of your website and the proof that you have on there? Yeah, I mean, we've we've had you know every different niche from soundproofing to you know doctors and surgeons to mm-hmm. ecom. I've done you know soap. You know, bar soap, but okay. it all works the same, regardless of niche, regardless of industry. Like you take, and when you say it's a long-term game, I completely get it. it's long-term strategy. How long-term is it before you feel, if you go to the max level of Yahoo and Bloomberg and all the top ones, what frequency do you think you need to have hit? Not necessarily in a time period, but how often do you feel you need to get going before you start seeing the results of, oh, I was never on the first page and now we're there. What do you, what do you typically find from an average result? That's a great question. It really depends on the competition in your niche. Okay. Right? Women's wellness coaching isn't super, super competitive. So that sure. was a normal campaign that got my client ranked completely on the first page, just dominated it within you know, 48 hours of distribution in one campaign. Okay. When you go into plumbers, Right? It's much more competitive. Or lawyers, it's the same thing. They're very competitive niches, and it might take you know two campaigns to get hot water tankless, you know, repair and replacement for that one. Generally, we see a return on investment somewhere between month six and eight, right? Because every campaign is very, very focused. So it's hot water tanks, you know, for one month. The next month might be hydrojetting. The next month might be sewer repair. 
but it's content, so it stays, right? So you're stacking that visibility and that organic search. And as you continuously put more nets on the water, eventually you'll catch more and more fish. Right? You're just stacking up those keywords to get that basis back. Love it. For our entrepreneur listeners who may not use you, I'd love for them to still walk away with something actionable that is some of your wisdom that you use typically for your clients. Uh, what would that be when it comes to content creation? If you were going to go, you're going to instruct now a company to do something typically one of your 14 people does. What are some of the standards of content development you require your 14 people to do that our entrepreneur listeners may be able to use? I love that question. I'm actually, I'm starting up a new program for teaching in-house marketing teams how to market better. We cover a bunch of different topics, but one of them is that content, right? To do that better for yourself. And eventually be like, oh my gosh, this is too much. I should hire you anyway. Like, yeah, you should. But the advice that I give them is, and I dropped it earlier a couple times, I think, but the way that we source how we talk, right? From that buying intent from a client. Stop making the top 10 ways to sleep better at night and start talking about, you know, you do wellness coaching in this location to solve these problems to give these benefits, right? How does your client interact with your product or service? What are they looking for? Or where are they, right? Are you selling tchotchkes and birdhouses? Go to Facebook and do some Facebook stuff. Are you a lawyer? Get off of Facebook and go to Google, right? If my kid got bit by a dog, I'm not going on Facebook and being like, man, I hope I see an ad for a dog bite lawyer, right? I'm going to Google and saying, hey, how do I sue my neighbor for biting my kid? Like, figure out where your people live, figure out how they interact with you, and make content that actually resonates with what they're looking for, right? Because again, Google's priority, their number one priority is to give value. Right? To match up the question with the best response possible. So as specific as you can be, you're going to get way better results. I think one of, the things you said, one of the things you said earlier was something to the extent of solving a problem that they have. So it sounds like you're kind of going back there also where it's a bit of a two-part answer. One is figure out where they live for the problem you're trying to solve and then speak your client's language for your product or service on uh, really identifying with the problem and that then you have a solution. Would that be uh, uh, just recap on the voice you'd recommend? Yeah, absolutely. And to take it one step further for that like actionable piece, because again, like not everyone's going to be like, oh, this makes sense to me or I can do this. Because when it comes to talking about ourselves, generally the human populace is very bad at it. Like if I got on here, I was like, I'm going to do a monologue about Stephen Lance and what I provide. It would be a garbage episode, but you guys do a great job of pulling stuff out of me. And it's the same thing when you look at what you provide to your clients It's getting from behind where you see the world and seeing it from the other angle. And so jump onto Reddit, jump onto Quora, jump onto, you know, answerswhatever.com and start looking for the stuff that your people are searching for, right? Go into some dog grooming groups and look at the language that they're using. Go into some lawyer groups and be like, like, figure out that language of the people who are in trouble or got in trouble or having trouble with a certain issue that you provide. What are they saying? How do they phrase it? And you take that and take that to your writing and you will do a thousand percent better than you have been doing in probably most of your competition. That's terrific. So those are a couple of tips on the voice of the content. 
What tips do you have for someone who's a listener on, boy, where do I get started? You're talking about releasing all these types of media, like to where? Um, and you had named, you know, Bloomberg and uh, news stations and like, boy, I, I heard what Steven said on how to get the content together, but what am I supposed to do with it next? Yeah, hire me. <laughs> That's the, the short answer. Right? Again, like trying to a la carte what I do is really expensive. And Gary Vee is a phenomenal person. I love Gary Vee. I'm sure that you're familiar with him and yeah. most of the world is. And he says you should be putting out 60 pieces of content a day. And he dropped some like ebook thing that's like, this is how you repurpose a piece of content 50 different ways when you make it. And, like if you're in that spot where you can't afford to hire someone to do it, you need to figure out the most efficient way for what you're doing, right? The piece will be like, oh, he said I should be on all these different websites and do this stuff. Like it's not practical, right? I'm definitely not in the, the method of being like, hey, you should do this 100% all the way, even if you can't afford it. Like that's not the right thing to do. Figure out what works for you and your business, where you're at. Like if you're not the part where you can spend five grand for a premium distribution, don't do it, right? Figure out you got to go beat the streets and you need to put up your flyers and you need to network and you need to get on Facebook and make your group and you need to spend the time instead of the money because you don't have money, right? Do what is within your capabilities. It doesn't make sense to do, you know, pay someone $700 for an article on Yahoo. It just, it, it doesn't. You don't get the bang for your buck for that one piece of content from that one spot. That's why we do hundreds of sites. I don't a la carte. I won't allow it. And I, it's a hard no for me because you just don't get the return. That's, That's great. Advice. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for sharing what you do. And thanks again for your service as a firefighter. And uh, this uh, is a great episode. Oh, pleasure's all mine. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I absolutely appreciate it. Thanks, Steven. Appreciate it. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, I know that when I mentioned, do you know what social proof is? This is the first time I really heard of it. I understand that there's social proof on Instagram. You get a blue check mark if you're socially accepted and you, you know people know who you are. It's really your profile. You know, I understand what that is. But in terms of SEO, it definitely was news to me that you would get a better uplift on your search engine search results on Google specifically by investing more in content to create social proof on the internet than you would by putting keywords on your website and different things I'd heard before on the things you need to do on your website daily, weekly, monthly to get higher search engine optimization. So had you heard that before? That was news to me. That's one of the biggest learnings I'm taking away from this conversation. You know, and I think I misquoted when uh, we were on with him what social proof was, because I really reiterated that as uh, reviews. And while that's an element of social proof, I'm with you. I got educated today on social proof is also people are talking about that company and that service. People are staying on the website. It's interesting enough not just to go there, but to stay there. Those are all elements of social proof. Uh, and then specifically, I thought it was really neat, the quote I grabbed in that, which was, the content is created for Google. Yeah. That's interesting. Never thought of that. Like you're actually writing the content for Google to be able to pick it up. Not that you're not writing it so it doesn't read well to your potential customer, but you're writing it for Google. What a unique lens. Yeah. And he even took it a step further on social proof, right? It's 
when you put an address into your GPS, Google tracks that. It goes, oh, I guess more people are going here. Uh, it's everything. It's it's everything that their algorithm. One, one question I didn't ask that I, I wish I would have asked is, is there a way to measure social proof? So abc.com, is there a tool, an algorithm, anything that can tell me you're scoring 25 out of 100 on your social proof versus the customers that he's using, he can put their, their website in a program and go, look, you're at 65 out of 100 because we did all these things. So can you measure the progress of a company by the uh, content you're creating to create social proof? I feel like there's an easy answer to that. I'm not even the expert at this, and I got an answer to that. Are you ready? Yeah. Of course there's a way to measure it. Where are you ranking on Google? Google measures social proof, which is what we just learned from Stephen. And if you're ranking on page number five, then apparently your measurement isn't great or as good as ranking on page number one. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, certainly if you look at one dimension. So in other words, I put in this keyword, where do, which page do I land on? And the next week or the next month, I put in this keyword, did I move up or not based on creating content? But there could be, you know, a hundred different keywords someone could use to search for your business. So I was wondering if there's a macro way to kind of just look at, hey, is your company doing enough? But I think your your point is more accurate, which is, well, social proof is going to be relevant to what your keyword is. Do you have social proof in this particular, you know, keywords or search, you know, words or whatever it may be? So you're right, and, and I think that would be one way. If I was a business investing in Ocelot's system and traffic and and, and content creation, would be you know, here are the things we're looking for and to measure on a week to week basis and go to page five, page three, page two, first page, which to your point, I'm sure Steven's doing that for his clients. So I, well, and by I the way, that. I've never looked at it like that. I answered that way a little bit of tongue in cheek, but then as yeah. I was just hearing your response, I mean, that's a, that's a way to look at it. Who wants to be graded as a 91 out of a hundred on social proof, but you come up on page three of Google? There's no value to getting your 91. At the end of the day, I feel like all entrepreneurs have an opportunity to look at how are they doing on social proof by just typing it in Google because Google literally has the formula in the background saying these companies are more important than these companies for the type of people with those search terms. So uh, I'll actually double down on my tongue-in-cheek answer. Yeah, I love it. So let me ask you this from a case study perspective. First off, I'm assuming, do you use Google for search sure. engines? Sure, daily. Okay. All right, perfect. Don't have to be scientific with this answer, but when you search for something, do you typically click on A, the first answer that comes up, B, the first unpaid ad, so the organic one that comes up versus the paid ones that come up? Or C, do you search through all of them on the first page to see which one you like the best and then click on it? Or D, you'll even go to the second page or third page until you find the one you like? Good question. Uh, I personally never search on the paid ads. I never okay. click on those. Okay. Uh, I personally will look for the little blurb, like the two sentences that end up showing up. And I will just skim those until I see something. And usually it happens on page one. If it doesn't happen on page one, I put in a different search. Hmm. Uh, but I'll skim the two sentences that show up to see, is this even relevant to what I was talking about? Did I even search correctly? 
Uh, And if I can't find anything on page one, my assumption is I didn't put in the right search terms to yield the results I want. And I correct my search terms until I get what I wanted on page one. That, that that's you know it reminds me of a story I'll tell you in a second, but I find it very interesting. C, your answer is C. I'll scroll through page one to find the one that I like the best. Um, quick story: years ago, because we did a lot of Google AdWords uh, with prior companies, and I can remember being in a session once where where somebody was on their computer, was up on the projecting projective screen, and they were going through our search engine. Like, oh look, look where we show up when we put our words in. And they put our words in. And the first one that came up was a paid ad and they clicked on it. I was like, no, don't <laughs> click on it. We just paid for you to click on that. <laughs> right. Click on the ad, go to the one below it. We're in the organic, click on that one. That, basically we were paying Google and then we were testing it and paying up, clicking on our own ads and paying the 50 cents or dollar or whatever it was. But, you know, funny story, which is I think a lot of people have been trained now to know, you know, okay, this is here because they're paying for it. Sometimes it's relevant, sometimes not even relevant. Right. Uh, so my answer to that would be I would go to the first organic result, uh, first few that look. Very rarely do I scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. To your point, if I do get to the bottom of the page, I'm questioning how did I search for this? So now if I know I'm looking for something particularly ornate, I forget what it even was. But it was yep. either yesterday or early today, I can't remember, that I searched for something that was pretty out of the box. Um, oh, you know what I was searching for is how often um, a triathlete should do an event. Mm. Like, what's the frequent? Uh, should they do it every other week? Every week? Like, what's the correct? And I didn't know how to search for that. So I ended up getting to page three or four because I assumed, like, I think I asked this the best way possible. But as a standard, I'd say, yeah, 98% of the time I do a search, I'm a page one only guy. Yeah, love it. You know, the other piece that, that struck me in this conversation, Rich, was how does the client interact with your product or service? Look at it from their angle, see how they talk about it. And when you do create content, put it in that language that they're using. And if I took that a step further, what I find a lot of companies do that do create content is they'll create the press release or the news article. Period. End of story. Create the new, you know, they don't create the video, the slideshows, the audio, the infographic, or the blog to go along with it. They'll create one piece of content. That's the one thing that I like from Steven's angle is look, I'm gonna create, I'm gonna create one. Uh, subject of content, but I'm going to create six different ways yeah. and then get it out to hundreds of different platforms, to your point, all for the purposes of controlling, you know, or manipulating the Google bias. Yeah, that sounds really smart. And last thing I'll mention is I really liked his take when I asked him about uh, the voice of how to write content is the trying to solve a problem that the customer has. It was interesting. I was just in a strategic meeting last week and we were talking about uh, a little too often we just ask our franchise body for what's needed to be able to help them. We just ask for it versus telling them, hey, if you have this problem, we're going to be able to help you with it. And you are an opt-in person to uh, sending us whatever it is we're asking for. Just you know how sometimes you hear things and they resonate with like, oh, that actually connects with something I did last week. And that really connected with me. It's something I've said before. I probably said on the podcast 
five times before, but it's just really resonating with me on when we want to market anything to people or whenever we're asking for something of our team, we've got to be asking for it in a way where we talk about the why and the why is solving a problem they have. Not a problem we have as the asker, but a problem they have.